HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Mood Magazine, a new international quarterly publication about music and food. For more information, visit moodmusicfood.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. In the studio today, actually, it's just me. Um, <laughs> but on the phone, uh, all the way on the West Coast, at a dreadful hour uh, for the time uh, change for me, uh, I can't uh, think him enough for being on the phone uh noon is i don't even know what noon looks like but uh please welcome to the show <laughs> donnie ronan thank you hey donnie Hiya. what's going on man hi <laughs> oh well noon's not that early for me. I, I you know it's been it's been a while since i haven't gotten up early for work so oh man well you're a better man than i am but you've got a lot you've got uh, a lot of stuff going on too I'm not. A, I'm not a better man, damn it. I just sleep less than you do. That's all. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, dude, we've been playing all. some uh, some bicoastal, uh, trying to get some hang time uh, tag, as it were. Yeah, You've been, I feel uh, like I see you. I feel like I see you more often than we can actually connect on the phone, which I don't have a problem with. <laughs> well, I just saw you out in Portland for uh, Portland Cocktail Week. Um, I know you've been out here a couple of times over the past few months, but we haven't really gotten a chance to connect while you've been in New York. So it was really cool seeing you at Portland Cocktail Week, and uh, even uh, briefly, as it were. Yeah, I mean, your your event was actually really great. I don't know if you've spoken to your listeners about that, but that was a really fun, very different, which is these days it feels like it's sort of hard to do, like someone actually coming up original content or original idea for a seminar or an event is i feel like those things are few and far between so what you and aaron did was actually very cool yeah i mean a lot of you know it's uh it looks like a bunch of goofballs on on a stage slinging cocktails for you know a couple hundred people but there's a lot of work going into we we had about 34 volunteers uh through portland cocktail week uh helping us prep and batch and run drinks and so can't 
thank uh, Portland Cocktail Week enough for uh, helping us pull off that event because there's absolutely no way that would have happened, just the two of us or three of us or four of us. Well, let's not mince words. It was a couple of goofballs up on stage mixing cocktails. Yeah, so. well, that is true. That is true. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but no uh, problem. I, I, have, I know that you were there taking some photos. I mean, like, let's get into let's Let's talk about who Donnie Ronan is, man. Because, like, when I first met you, <laughs> let's, who, who is Donnie Ronan? Um, when I first met you, it was probably back in 2007 or so. I, it was, you were working yeah. with the Tasting Panel magazine, and you came out to interview Linnell. Uh, and from Linnell's LTD in Brooklyn, and yep. uh, that's yep. that's when we met. And we drink some, I think we drink some brandy that day, and then fast forward to about a uh, a year or so ago, and then we got to uh, meet up on the uh, BNIC trip to Cognac, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, meet, meet you and Paul Clark and Paul Picolt, and that was that was a blast, man. Yes, I think that was two years ago, by the way. You know, it, it time flies. <laughs> Especially when there's. By the way, I feel like we've bookended it with two things of brandy, so that yeah, works exa- out pretty exactly, well. Exactly, man. Exactly. Um, well, I used to do. Uh, I mean, I've been doing food, wine, and spirits education uh, since 2000. Well, I, when I started my company, DC Spirits, in 2000, and the the focus was education. Um, I literally started it because I had. Um, clients in D.C. who took me out to a, a really nice dinner um, at a place that will remain nameless. Uh, and I was horrified that not only... It, it really came down to the, the sommelier. So, and some recommendations that were not only poor recommendations, but I watched them do uh, a pretty cheesy upsell. Now, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I'm kind of breaking up a little a bit. Pretty che- a pretty cheesy upsell. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was it was unnecessary. It didn't fit what they had ordered. It didn't fit like he he read the tape very poorly, um, and it I was just kind of flabbergasted by it. And I don't want to you know, lose taste. <laughs> and everything I knew about wine was from. You know, experience and, and tasting and talking to people and writing about it and I had no formal training and this I obviously did. So basically this it, So basically this was born out of it's kinda of, we've kinda of got a little bit of bad reception, sorry about that. But uh but basically what you're saying is that this uh D C Spirits was born out of the necessity for like basically someone's kind of bad uh uneducated uh upsell for a bottle of wine at a really nice dinner and so you wanted to basically expand on education for uh food wine spirits right it wasn't not educated i i I can guarantee that the guy had a lot of education a lot of training what no one had trained him on or at least he wasn't he didn't really care was honestly the hospitality aspect if you have if you have um at the end of the day, he is the, the sole representative for all of these wines uh, to be sold at this establishment. So, the, obviously, the owners, the GM, all the winemakers are counting on this guy and his team, because he's the one that's training the service staff, counting on him to sell the product. It behooves right. all of those people. And, as well, like, patrons 
um, accurate information and like a proper pairing, a proper fit. So right. everyone's counting on this guy, and he was really letting everybody down. So um, it was, wasn't really about like feeling like a guy wasn't it. It was much more if you have a product and you have a customer, why would you put obstacles in between those? Sure. You want to make people happy. You want to make people happy. You want them to get what they what they'd like. And if they don't know what they like, guide them. Don't make them feel like idiots at the same time. And that's pretty much all of the don't do list items. Like it, it was pretty unreal. So I waited for him to leave. Went to the captain, changed the order, and it turns out that he the song felt. You know, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, you guys changed. I wish I could have, you know, guided you. And he came back and gave a taste of that, that thing that he had um, tried to sell to. And it turned out that, it, A, it was bad. B, it was a terrible pairing. And we were so <laughs> glad that it worked. And it was um, $75 more than the other one. Oh, wow. So, so it was one of those things that really just sort of, like, pushed me into, you know what? This has always been something that, I've been fascinated with and, and has been a passion and I'd like to, to you know, share that with other people and a ton of fun ever since. So this is back in 2000, you say? Uh, that actually occurred in, yeah, 99 and then I okay. finally started, oh, right. in started in 2000. So like, I mean, that was still like a pretty dark era for drinks, you know? I mean, the, we were barely, you know, like, I feel like that was still an era where we... Even for wine, you know, I mean, there was very, very little education on it on the scale that it is today, and you know, it takes it takes passion, you know, like you were saying, you know, like the customer service aspect of it. Like, if it's not there, it's like then it's really just sales. It's not like you're not like you're not creating an environment and an experience that's actually like something that's real, and and it's really just about dollar signs at that point, you know. Like so, right? So yeah. Well, I mean, we can't we can't ignore the sales aspect. There are really three prongs. You have the hospitality aspect, you have the sales aspect, and then you have the educational aspect. So, if you are a great host, a b you know what you're talking about, which means you 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 have the the knowledge and you're able to share it in a great way, and c the sales come automatically. Right. So if you do the first two correctly, you know, the sales aspect doesn't even become an aspect. So, and it's, it's funny that you say that, like, dark, dark era. It was, a, you know, shortly after that, that companies started embracing the concept of the brand ambassador. Because right. that's essentially what they were doing. One of the things that, um, that you know, uh, Angus Winchester uh, wrote to me one time, which is, uh, I don't know if it's his original thing or not, but I just think it's great. Is that that um, sale, like a, a sale, is a transfer of enthusiasm? And I feel like that is probably one of the reasons why he's one of their and well-known global brand. Like he is that brand, and he does such a good job because he's literally transferring a thousand times a day. Yeah, I mean, like what you're saying is that I mean. It's and you know you were just saying that like that's right at the the time that uh, brand ambassadors became like a real thing. You know it. It's funny to see. I mean, I mean not I'm in no way talking shit on anyone, but uh, maybe I am because I just said that. But uh, I mean, it's it how 
like now every company has a brand ambassador. And I feel like that was like ushering in like that era of uh, creating that position. It really kind of set the bar high for, you know, that being a like a job, like a like basically a labor of love and a, and a passion driven uh, uh uh, what am I trying? <laughs> Passion driven occupation, you know. It's and like, it, yes, and and you know, guys like Simon Ford and Angus Winchester really kind of set the bar high for for that career path, you know. Yes, true, and and it's been very much um, senescent since then as well. You know, it's it was uh, they were at the time, I and mean, they really were creating their own. They were, they were because no one really had a job description. They had an idea of what they wanted, and I think a lot of folks really were the pioneers in that you know, brand ambassador uh, aspect of the business, really creating their jobs as they went along, which, I mean, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's tough, but it's if you do a good job like they did, um, what they essentially did was give... They were the the pioneers, not only their brands, but they themselves. And so what they did is they gave everyone else this idea, and then, of course, everybody started doing it. And then there was this... I love to talk about trend counter trend because it's so important. So drinks sucked. (laughs) Bourbon and Branch opens. So yay, prohibition, pre-prohibition, that whole era. And then at the same time, or, you know, um, know, the, the counter trend to the counter trend is... Hey, I would like my drink faster than 20 minutes, and I, you know, don't necessarily want to listen to music from the 20s and I this, that, and the other. But I mean, that was the dream team. There was every single bar in there was where you would go to other places in San Francisco to get a good drink on the nights, of- and now they were all in one spot. It was heaven. So, and you know, but again, it's like it's still send somebody to San Francisco and to Burger Ranch because. The cocktails now is you know people are doing craft cocktails and you know we're actually doing a seminar in March about cocktails on tap, bottled cocktails oh, right. um, for for national accounts because those are the kind of kinds of people that read about trends and then trying to figure out how to get the plan being one company created brand ambassadors as a thing. And then every company is like, hmm, that's a good idea. Let's figure out the budget, where that lies. And then all of a sudden, 2008, 2009 hit, where, you know, recession-proof, that's me doing air quotes, by the way, uh, <laughs> recession-proof, uh, alcohol, recession. Can you, say, can you say, Danny, can you say it again? It kind of broke out. About sales. And not taking into account that the people that they hired as were the fun people, the bartenders, the, the that will go out and and really do that transfer of enthusiasm through, I mean, having fun. Absolutely. I mean, like um, also so the, the role changed over, but it's been really interesting to watch how that happens. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Donnie Ronan on the Speakeasy.
You are listening to My Used to Be by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. What's Mood? Mood is a quarterly magazine about music and food. For its creators, not many things can beat a good record and a delicious meal. Maybe a well-written story or a gorgeous photo. Well, that's all in Mood. The magazine looks at music and food in a cohesive and unique way, with a keen eye to design and high-quality writing. Its contributors are located around the globe, and the stories span accordingly. Check it out today at moodmusicfood.com. That's moodmusicfood.com. And we are back. Apologies for the technical difficulties. Um, Just glad to even have my buddy Donnie on the phone at all, uh, (laughs) as it were. Thank you. I'm honored. Welcome back, buddy. Um, Yeah, so what we were talking about before the break is uh, we're talking about the, the... well, when we lost you, I was saying like that it was cool, like what you're saying about the San Francisco bar scene and Bourbon and Branch opening up, and so every like really serious and passionate bartender in town comes to work there, and it's it's really interesting to see how in in certain markets where like like in in the most recent history how we've turned these cocktail uh, like cocktail bartending into these careers. To see how like those places like that place and like say even like Death and Company, you know, the same thing happened there, where all these very passionate bartenders who actually have turned it into a career path, um, and and are thriving on the, the education of it, get together and then it's like those magic moments of the opening of the place like Bourbon and Branch, like in the beginning days, you know. Right. Well, it's been this. It's been this great thing. I mean the. the reason I brought it up it was that the tie-in to sort of the, the idea of brand ambassadorship right. um, people out there educating for the purpose of education and not for sales right. and then it became they, companies and it made sense too companies had to tie sales back into it uh, because of the fact that like hey we can't pay this person to be running around and not necessarily making sales because although it was you know flattery by imitation, hey, these guys are doing it, we should do it too, it's working well for them. They didn't, they considered the brand ambassador to be this necessary part of their company and didn't really think past the tip of their nose about how that job description needed to be written, how to implement this person within the company and, you know, quite frankly, how to pay for it. Like, you know, what justifies the pay. So there were a lot of folks who were out there because they were so good at the educational aspect of it. it the other, the, the sales part wasn't ever an issue. Yeah, it just happened naturally. Um, and then there were companies that were so big and they had so much budget that for them, the expenditure of the brand ambassador, except for, you know, Simon and his card, <laughs> were not really that expensive. So they were like, absolutely, we'll, you know, pay for this person to go out and talk to people and meet people and, you know, buy people drinks and that kind of thing. Um, and they knew that it would, you know, materialize into sales and, and it did, but for a lot of folks it did not. And that's where you had that little bit of a tumble between 2008 and 2010 or even 11 of people having great ideas and not being able to implement them properly. So they had, they had forgotten about the education slash hospitality aspect of it, which when done properly turns into sales, no problem. 
Sure. Do you think like the timing? I mean, like to me, it seems like the timing for the big faceless like corporations uh, with. Uh, well, not, I'm not going to mention names because we need sponsorship. But um, <laughs> so, but like right, right around the same time, like in the mid 2000s, where uh, a lot of these jobs were being implemented uh, for the bigger brands. Uh, and you, at the same time, you had a lot of smaller boutique brands like coming out and you know everyone wants to support the little guy so it's like it's it almost seems to me like the brand ambassador job goes in with that too it's like you put a face with a name and a personality with it and that definitely helps you sell that product you know it you know what i mean is that making sense one one hundred percent and it's funny i mean it, you know that the concept of angus is coming back again because he is so that He's so that role anyway, but, you know, people associate Tanqueray with him because he does such a good job. I mean, he's so English, couldn't be more English, and is so passionate and so knowledgeable, you know, outside of his brand and so generous. And so, like, you know, he's he's amazing at that job, and that is one of the reasons why he has had one of the longest runs as a brand ambassador, as anyone I know in the business. Um, it's a you know very good reasons for that. He represents them very well. He's very professional. He's very knowledgeable about things beyond just you know his little circle of of uh, you know English gins, and makes it a point to share knowledge as often as he can. I mean, if you look at Tanqueray's programming and the th- things that they've done just in the last couple of years, it goes to show how a brand can follow that person. Right. So, you know, into, you know, the stuff he's doing with Sean Center and, the, you know, the Tanqueray Green Room. The whole purpose is education and the furthering of uh, quality in our industry. And that's quality hospitality, you know, um, quality products and quality education. So um, if you're a small brand and you're lucky enough to find that right person who can get you into places that you normally would never get, um, and that and that happens now with you know when you you move to a larger scale. Let's say there's a big you know hotel or hospitality group that loves a product. Now they could go to one of the big guys and say, "Hey, uh, I would like X amount of um, dollars and or product support for you know menu placement." Um, you know that and they, that, and that happens just, all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. But if there, there's something that they really like, and they know that it would, they would ra- they they if they have the leeway, especially if they've been doing it for a while and doing it well, and and have been fulfilling all their promises to their supplier partners, they can go to a little guy once in a while and be like, "Hey, look, I know you can't do what these big guys can, but we would really like to um, incorporate you to our program next year." And we're just going to need a really good price. And the little guys then have to struggle and figure out what they can do. But it's one of those things that, based on that one relationship with that one brand ambassador in that one city, if it's done well, they can explode nationally. And then who knows what's after that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I think you know, it's, it's kind of a funny, like, just even going like, to the to the like brand ambassador role for like the small companies too, especially like here in New York city where it's like, 
I mean, well, you're in the the other most expensive city in the United States. So it's like when you yeah. have these smaller startup companies, and what's really cool about it is like in both of our cities, we definitely have like distilleries and like smaller, uh, very exciting products coming out. Um, but they just don't have the money to like necessarily hire more people to do that stuff. So it's it's fun. It's actually I'm sure it's frustrating, but it's got to be fun at the same time for uh, the proprietors and distillers and the people who are making these products to like run around town and do the hustle and then like start seeing the payoff, you know, and seeing their, their right. Because I've seen it. I've seen it with like Kings County and like Brooklyn Gin. You know, they they're they're hustling, man, and they're making it happen. And it's it's well, yeah. And the other thing is, their product's good, and they're great dudes. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, the only thing that can get in your way is pure finances, because if you're you're doing it yourself, and you know, if you, you're starting it off grassroots, and I mean, I think one of the best decisions that they made was to um, was to hire the other Damon. Um, I <laughs> thought they did it. I thought that was a. a yeah, <laughs> I, he's he's such um, a great bartender and and a and a fun, nice person. Like, who would not want to, you know, learn about a local gin from him? Okay. So uh, that that's he's a very good example of a small local product in your neighborhood um, where they made a great decision with the brand ambassadorship program. So yeah, but it's just like you said. Uh, great bartender, nice person, and then the product is sold. And it goes back to exactly what you said at the very beginning of the show, education, and then you've got, uh, now I'm forgetting, (laughs) you've got the education and the hospitality, and then the sales follow it. Yeah, correct. And when you do the first two um, well, um, then the sales are, you know, you have to have, and, and that is where that shift happened in like 2008, 2010, where you had companies, um, you know, letting their brand ambassadors go or uh, essentially not bringing in more people or putting more budget into that that program because you had people running around and and spending things they shouldn't have been spending. Um, Whereas the folks that are very good at that uh, understand, they basically always treat that as though it's their own money. Um, right. They're not out there, you know, running, you know, running rampant. You're talking um, about you're talking about the expense account that go with it, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the, like the expense account concept. I think a lot of people. There was that thing that you know Todd Richmond passed around. I think maybe about a year and a half ago. You know, um, what my mother thinks I do. Um, you know, what oh, yeah. my friends think I do, and then what I actually do, and like the you know the picture of that. So the the folks like him who really did such a fantastic job with their brands and really put them on the map in the first place. Um, work beyond just that. They're, they work within this community, and it's a community that is focused on hospitality and education. But if they're, at the same time, keeping in mind, what's my job? Oh, right, we're selling this product. Uh, then they're obviously keeping their budget in mind. They're trying to make sure that they're doing follow-up like responsible people. Uh, that's we just did the seminar at Portland Cocktail Week um, for uh, uh, basically bar consultants. So it was uh, uh, um, Jordan from Holy Hennessy put it together. It was me and Kathy Casey and John Lamera, and we were talking about um, essentially bar consultancy and how 
just like a brand ambassadorship. It's this thing that like people sort of aspire to. And meanwhile, Kathy and I are working on a project and following up with people up until like five seconds before we start the seminar. And thankfully, Jordan noticed and said, said something. He's like, by the way, folks, if for all of you that think that being a bar consultant is, you know, walk in the park, these two you know, jackals over here are like still working up into the second this thing starts. <laughs> so it's this constant, it's this constant thing that people think that brand ambassadors or bar consultants are, um, you know, they have that image of someone running around and like spending money or like smoking cigars on a yacht or whatever. There are some people that are very good at that. <laughs> They're yeah. very good at that, and they love posting pictures on Facebook of it. But <laughs> if they're not taking into account the fact that they have a job to do, like they need to be serving the interests of either them, their employer or their client, which is essentially their employer. Yeah. And when it's done well, when it's done really well, there there is no... Honestly, there's no dollar amount that you can put on that kind of value. Right. So if someone figures out, like, hey, we can do this program, it's a vanity account, uh, it'll look really good for the brand. It's not the best use of our money right now, but I see a big payoff. And when, you, when it's done by someone who's, who knows what they're doing, it goes really well. Yeah. And. And at the same time, that same person might be like, hey, I just figured out a way to have your poor cost be at 4%. Right. You know, an owner is like, um, okay, well, what magical spell did you cast to make that happen? <laughs> and he's like, nothing. I just was paying attention to what you were doing and who your audience is and um, and figured out a way to, to, to get in there and give your audience what they want at something that costs you a lot less or takes you less time to execute, which you and I both know it has a complete, that time has a complete and total monetary value as well. Right. So, um, as well as, as well as part of hospitality, I don't want to order a 20 minute old fashioned. So I could, I could drink 20 old fashions in 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I probably have, but yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, there, there's a way to streamline it and make things work. And, you know, I, you know, I I think uh, I think that you know it's it's interesting to see the history of like the way that we run our businesses and and see how like there's uh, peaks and valleys and I don't know it's but I feel like it, it the line keeps going up and up and up so I mean we're still on the right path. Uh, I I I definitely agree with you. Um, one of the reasons why it's been so great to work with uh, Kathy Casey and Liquid Kitchen um, is because that was exactly her. She's had her business for, um, you know, 22 years, I think. And she, her, you know, her background is as a chef. And every place she would go, she would know, I mean, she's a chef who actually likes great cocktails. Um, not that we don't all love, you know, a good fernet. But <laughs> she would go into these places and just, like, the kitchen would be, Spick and span, everything together, everything labeled, huge focus, and then the bar would be just the opposite. Like, it looked like it hadn't been cleaned for three years, like, the bartenders weren't treated very well, but who's making the money in this building? Uh, well, right. it's, it's the bar, or at least it should be. So, you know, she started focusing attention on that, and then, all, honestly, the same thing, bringing 
the kitchen into the bar. And that was really that other sort of thing that turned into the craft cocktail movement. Well, if we're starting to use great spirits, and, and honestly, like, it can't just be all us. The, our guests have to care, too. And that's really where it snap happened. The guests started, like, asking questions, and then people were sort of cocktail enthusiasts. And so, you know, companies and, and bartenders can poo-poo cocktail nerds all they want. It's the cocktail nerds that turned into the greater number of cocktail enthusiasts, which now you can go to any place that would normally be doing vodka sodas and be getting Sazeracs. I mean, that doesn't happen magically. It happens over time, and because people in our industry worked really hard to, to put that sort of quality and history in front of the guest to a point that they were like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to make that, consciously make that choice. I would like that fun, interesting cocktail. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's... I always say on the show, you know, it's it's really exciting to see like where we're where what's happened already in the past, you know, decade or so, and what continues to happen with our industry. And it's like, and and uh, it's always great talking with guys like you about this because uh, we could uh, we could spend many more hours on these uh, oh, topics, and we typically do when we see each other. But unfortunately, <laughs> we're out of time today, Donnie. So, uh, no problem. but next time, why don't we get you? Got to get your ass down to the studio, man, so we don't have uh, some technical difficulties. <laughs> No so problem. Next I'll time you're in town. Yeah, next time you're in town, man. Swing on by. Well, that's it for Perfect. today. Damn and it. thank you for coming, or <laughs> thanks for being on the show today. All right. That's it for the speakeasy for this week. Uh, we will be around next week. We're going to talk about some holiday cocktails next week. And we'll probably be uh, posting some of those recipes on the website as well. So check in at Heritage Radio Network. We just launched a new website, and there's lots of news and media stuff to check out, so please swing on by. All right. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.